You're listening to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, episode 347. Hey there, you amazing human, and welcome to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, the podcast that is designed for female entrepreneurs who want to make more money in a way that is in alignment for them. If you're looking for practical advice, proven strategies, and expert insights to help you navigate the challenges of growing your business, then you've come to the right place. Welcome, my friend. I am your host, Angela Henderson, a proud Canadian living in beautiful Australia, and I'm a business coach, consultant, and strategist who has helped thousands of women around the world build successful businesses. Through solo episodes and interviews with successful business owners, industry experts, and thought leaders, you'll get insider insights into what it takes to succeed in today's digital age. Whether you're struggling to scale your business, looking for ways to boost your productivity, or seeking ways to overcome the challenges of being an entrepreneur, this show has everything you need to succeed and more. So subscribe, pop your headphones on, and get ready to creating the business and life you deserve today by allowing the Angela Henderson Online Business Show help you create a winning strategy, develop the right mindset, and build lasting wealth. Hey, 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 you amazing human, and welcome back to another podcast episode with me and your host from Angela Anderson Consulting. Now I'm super excited for you to be here today because I hope you are ready to ignite something in you. I hope you're ready to explore the topic around unleash your inner author strategies for writing your first book. Joining me today on the podcast is a good friend of mine, none other than Azul, and he is a renowned author, writing coach, and mentor to aspiring writers worldwide, my friend. What I love about Azul is the wealth of experience and wisdom that he's going to bring to the podcast today. And he has guided countless individuals on their transformative journey from aspiring writers to published authors. And together on the podcast today, we're going to be discussing how do business owners know if they have a book in them? How long does it normally take to write a book? How does one approach outlining and structuring a book, especially as a first-time author? We're going to talk about also some of the challenges people face as writing that first book. We're also going to talk about should you work with a publisher or should you self-publish? And there's so much more that we get into on this podcast episode today. So whether or not you're a seasoned wordsmith looking to refine your craft or someone who's always dreamed of penning their first book. This episode is packed with invaluable insights and actionable advice to help you embark on your author journey from confidence and clarity. So get ready, get your pen and paper ready and get get some levels of awesomeness here for Azul. Hey, 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 welcome to the show, Azul. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited that we finally have made this happen. I know it's been forever since we initially first connected. I know we were just recording over in your podcast earlier and we've decided that it was back in 2018 when we officially met. So, you know, like six years ago, however, here we are still connecting, still exploring, still doing awesomeness. And I'm just absolutely thrilled to be here today. I like having you here today. Yeah, excellent. I'm glad to be here too. I've loved that we get to have uh, each other on each other's podcast. Yes, absolutely. Today we're talking about Unleash Your Inner Author, Strategies for Writing Your First first Book. And as I was saying before we hit record, I've never had anyone come on to talk about writing a book. So I'm thrilled because I get asked often about books and what do they look like? And I clearly don't have my own book. So I'm thrilled that you're going to be talking about this. But before we get started, I always like to ask a fun question to the guest uh, so that my audience gets to know you a little bit better. And so my fun question for you is, is I know you've helped some amazing humans around the world to create their book uh, and get it out to the world so that they can have more impact, etc. So I'm curious to know which book 
has touched your life the most in regards to helping people? Do you know what I mean create that book? Like what book were you like, I love helping people, but this one really kind of hit the heart. What one was that for you? That's probably the hardest question I've ever asked. Uh, <laughs> that's like as a teacher asking who's your favorite student. That's Ooh. like really not fair. But I would say um, because I tend to now pick people who I would spend a week with, you know, that I would hang out oh, with my family. I've I've started letting go of people that aren't my people. And mm. um, I, I, I would probably have to say, because knowing your audience, I'd probably have to say the person's work that touched me the most um, was probably a memoir that was written by a friend named Danae Palmer. And it's mm-hmm. because it was so such an honest, truthful memoir. Mm-hmm. And I don't teach memoir a lot. It doesn't come up a ton, but it's one of my favorite genres. And it's because her teaching of overcoming her her young life trauma and how she stepped through her adult life trauma and was inspiring and she's mm-hmm. an incredible human being and i use her her practices and teaches date teachings daily mm-hmm. and the other person would have to be jada selner who was the co-founder of simple green smoothies and the author of lead with love mm-hmm. um or actually it's called she built i don't remember many mm-hmm. books mm-hmm. was really powerful because she talked about how to get away from anti-hustle thinking and uh, focus on business leadership through the eyes of a woman and a mom. So mm-hmm. those are two powerful books that really impacted me. And so funny, so Jada is actually in my inbox. Her team got back to me today. So Jada and I initially <laughs> connected with Chris Ducker's event years ago. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and so, yeah, and then we reconnected again. And so, yeah, it's amazing. She's about to come on the podcast too. She is also an amazing human doing great things. And I just love her ability to truly just show up you know, the word authentic gets thrown around quite often. I feel like I almost feel like it's an overused word. But when I think of Jada, I think of authenticity. And she's just such an amazing and vibrant human who just genuinely leads from the heart. And it's always an honor to read her, uh, read her things, be in her in her world, listen to her wisdom, because it just comes so naturally to Jada. Um, so yeah, so another, she's just an amazing human. I agree. Yeah, I've learned a lot from her. Now, the listeners out there today might not know who you are. They might like, who is this amazing human who lives in both America, right, and Portugal? So in a simple nutshell, tell us a little bit about what do you do for business so that the audience can get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of Authors Who Lead, and we help people like you write books that people love. Mm -hmm. And um, my main focus is a book coach, but that's probably a bad name for it because I'm not a (laughs) traditional coach uh people have called me a book whisperer a book doula a mm-hmm. book whisper because what my job is to bring out the best book from within them and give them uh, the confidence they need to get on the page and execute and finally deliver mm-hmm. and um, so i help people write books i also am the uh, principal in a publishing company so we own mandala tree at Rock Rose Press, but one fiction and one nonfiction platform where we publish authors. Um, so those are the ways in which I've helped people bring books to life in the last 10 years. Oh my goodness, I absolutely love it. And uh, would you say, I'm just gonna ask the question that, you know, they say everyone's got a book in them. You know, that's what they say. Or everyone's got a podcast yeah. in them or everyone's got a YouTube channel in them. Do you know what I mean? Would you say everyone's got a book in them after your years of experience? I say they do. I think everyone does because humans are built and by their very nature to be storytellers. Mm-hmm. It's something you don't have to teach young people. It's something that's built in our system. Like that's how we pass down our culture for millennia 
And then when writing came around, we used it to do the same thing, tell stories. So my belief is it's yes, you you do have it in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you whether you Ryan Holiday says not everyone should write a book, or even I think my friend Jordan Harbinger says you, not everyone should write a book. Mm-hmm. I think that's mainly because people don't do it well. So mm-hmm. they, they discourage people because they don't want a bunch of books out there just flooding the content. I think that's true of podcasts. We don't just need another podcast for podcast sake. Mm-hmm. But I think people misunderstand their true genius mm-hmm. and they start copying and imitating other people like when my friend john lee dumas started his daily podcast it wasn't long before there was 10 other xyz on fire podcasts yes Yes. right absolutely yeah not i think everyone does and mainly because everyone has a story to tell and they have a perspective or they wouldn't be here on this planet there's something unique about them for Mm -hmm. sure do you think that over the years with technology, though it's great, there's been great advancements of technology, do you think people are losing the ability to storytell in general, not just in writing a book, but storytelling on social media, storytelling on podcasts? What are your thoughts about the lost art of storytelling? Yeah, I think most people are afraid. So it's mm-hmm. not that they lost it. They're just afraid that their story won't matter. And mm-hmm. so they they sugarcoat it. They change it. They posture. They use Instagram sort of as a way to show the perfect part of them mm. uh you know and then they when they go to tell their story they you know, often will see this maybe you can can validate this you know when you haven't heard from someone in a while they come back you know and they have this whole long saga about how they weren't doing well and also now they're better now and they're back on track but they miss showing the parts and telling it during the messy part mm. and i think people are just afraid to be judged which is understandable you know it's a difficult place to be but storytelling is an art that I think you can give people a freedom uh, from judgment mm. that will help them. And I tell I tell us the reason this is, it's part of educators' problem. I was an educator for 25 years, so I can say I own some of this, which is we were never trained to be writers. Mm. We, were, yeah. we were trained to be editors, which means we were given a task. Here's your assignment. It's due on this date, and this is what you have to do to get it done well. Mm. And we did it. And our our competence to do it well gave us either a better grade or not. And um, depending on what kind of student we were, we turned in that kind of paper, whether we turned it in the night before, like a lot of people, or, you know, we planned it out and wrote it and took our time. Most of us only edited ourselves out of the work in order to get the grade. So we're really yes. good at editing out of work. We're really good at having the critique brain. Will this help me pass the class, get into the school, get this closest thing in? to write we use an editor brain and what that looks like is the same when you when you ask a question about storytelling is we edit out everything that might keep us unsafe in our opinion and so we turn off our creative brain and turn on the very familiar editor brain and we write with very clear expectations of what we think people will accept so when we do that we actually lose the authenticity and the truth about ourselves and that's why i think you mentioned jada she is who she is in person on podcast from the stage she is who she is and that takes a a great deal of fortitude for people and I, my most of my training is psychological training i'm training people to turn off their thinking mind and show up with their creative mind which they come from different places mm-hmm. so um and, and divorcing the two halves of their brain one that's critique saying well what if it's no good what yeah if it's bad review? what if it has no likes what if it sucks what if my mom hates it what if my peers think i'm terrible so before they even write, they have this editor sort of critique brain turned on. And so storytelling is becoming harder because there's more places and ways to be critiqued now than before. And would you also say that there's like you talked about the fear, but also like we've got a lot of uh, 
cancel culture. You know, you say the wrong mm-hmm. thing and you can potentially be completely canceled, right? Off of, yeah. do you know I mean, whatever platform, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. And you can, you know, lose, an, you've got an, there can be an enormous amount of things to lose also. Do you know what I mean? Because there is, but I can only assume that those books that genuinely are able to not just put on the facade and those books that people are able to show up and be themselves, typically, would you say sell better and connect better with audience than just the stock standard, like robotic step one, step two, step three? Well, yeah, because we're drowning in information right now. Mm. There's never been an era in history that we've had more information at our fingertips than now. But information isn't what we're looking for. We're looking for a guide. Mm. We're looking for less of a guru than we ever been, less of an expert sitting on some hilltop waiting for all his disciples to come. We're we're more willing to to forgive people's messiness if they're just ahead of us saying, look, I just stepped in a pile of shit. Go around, go around, don't walk this way. Versus mm. stepping in a million piles of crap and then getting <laughs> to the group. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. You're like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I think we 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 are looking for people whose voices we can trust. Mm. Uh, if AI can pass the bar exam or the you know diagnose things, information isn't what we're missing. Mm. We're missing unique voices. Here's the, here's an example. I'll say most people think that wow, you have to be an expert to write. You have to know a lot, and that's true. You do have to know more than your reader. But we're not looking for experts. None of us go to the university. Well, maybe I, maybe there's somebody out there, so I wouldn't say none. Most of us <laughs> don't go. To, universities at the end of a college semester and dumpster dive for thrown out discarded textbooks. Mm. But those are the so-called experts in the most prestigious universities in the world. And yet we toss out our, or sell back our textbooks or we don't go look for them. And those are the experts with Mm. well-written, well-cited information. Why? Because we are looking for someone that can connect and relate to us. Mm. So people have to understand that, that what you have to say matters. And most people miss their uniqueness. They don't see their unique qualities and gifts in themselves. Mm-hmm. I often say people can't see the label inside of the bottle. And so they don't know who they really are mm-hmm. when it comes to trying to express themselves. So they regurgitate what they think they should be saying or see other people in their industry saying. And they're afraid to be contrarian. So when you mentioned cancel culture, what I think the cancel culture is, is when people are exposed for who they are versus saying something contrarian. Yeah. Um, it's okay to be contrarian and say, most people in this industry say this, but I think this. There's mm-hmm. nothing cancel culture about that. It's when you stood up for something and then try to backtrack and, or did something and then try to say, no, no, that wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, don't, yeah. people are too yeah. savvy now. Um, but what I've noticed is when I was a kid, I was given a magnifying glass and a science kit. Maybe you had a science kit or something similar or something that you use as a young person. The science kit was cool the microscope and all, but the magnifying glass caught my attention at five because you could take it up to see something up close, you know, mm. outside. And it wasn't until I took it outside and discovered you could take the magnifying glass and actually, if you moved it just the right distance away from a leaf, you could actually get it to ignite and burn. Yes. I thought, <laughs> yes. This is so cool. That's amazing. So I burned leaves, paper, my friend's leg, uh, <laughs> and I probably owe karma for the ant, but either way, Uh, The lesson learned is most people out here in our world, entrepreneurs, we're all selling sunshine. Mm. We're not selling anything new. We're selling a business strategy. It's been taught before. Mm -hmm. We're we're doing this. It's been taught before. I'm not the first book coach out there or I'll not be the last. What I'm talking about isn't the thing that people should be worried about. People are worried about the information. Mm -hmm. And I say, look, 
information is great, but it's like sunshine. Everybody has access to it. It's everywhere. Yeah. You can't. People are trying to with ChatGPT draw a circle. Check out my information. You know, it's better than yours. And it's just sunshine. It's just the same thing. Mm. But people miss the fact that rather than focus on the content, the thing you're shining through the lens is that they forget that they are the lens. Mm. They're the thing that bends the light and makes it ignite. So whatever you have to say, it's your perspective, your uniqueness that matters more than what it is you're talking about. And that's what people are afraid of is having a point of view. But that is literally what attracts people to you is mm-hmm. having that unique and draws you out. That's what makes books so powerful. It's not the length. It's not the conversation. It's the unique uh, ability to see yourself in the book. I love it. And I think, again, it's that connective piece is. Like you said, we've all got a book in us. We've all got a story in us. And it's people are mourning. I talk often about human to human marketing, the experience and interaction one faces with a brand. People are wanting connection more than ever before. And I know when we were talking on your podcast, you know, it's like people are getting more and more disconnected. But if you can connect and, you know, tell that story, the amount of people that I think that you'll impact and touch people's lives is so great. But again, we restrict ourselves, which we're going to talk about this in a little while about why people don't jump on getting their book done. But before we do that, I do want to ask you this is, you know, in your experience of working with so many amazing humans to get their book out there, why do you think, I mean, you've talked a little bit about it, their unique voice, their story, their perspective, but is there anything else that you think that why business owners should get out there and write a book? I mean, people are busy already doing a million things. So why a book versus a YouTube channel? Why a book versus starting the podcast? Why a book versus creating a live event? Like, what are the benefits that businesses can see when they have a book attached to them? Great question. So you could go up to anybody, a three-year-old and a 99-year-old from any country in the world and say, here's a book. Do you know what this is? And they're going to say, yes. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have an implied belief about the author who wrote it, that they're somebody who knows something, that they have a point of view, and that they're a value. Because Mm -hmm. we oriented ourselves in the last 500 years specifically around writing and that we all know what it is. So being an author gives you an implied value above and beyond being a podcaster, Mm -hmm. uh, a blogger, a YouTuber. Those are all so new that they don't necessarily have positive attributes. They don't necessarily even have any. Some audiences are like, I don't know what a podcast is. I heard of it, but... Um, but a book doesn't, a book is so clear, gives you authority. If you're, let's say I help doctors, lawyers, business owners, executives, when they write a book, they could be in the, they're amongst their peers. If you're a doctor, but you know, 10 of you are all dermatologists, but you're the one with the book. Guess who is the most authority in that group? Mm. You know, so it, it has an innate quality that's been around a long time. So that's why I think writing a book can build your authority faster than anything you can do in your business. If you're trying to establish new authority, mm-hmm. gain traction in the authority you already uh, are a part of and or make a pivot in your business. Because what you don't want to do is try to convince and persuade people on 100 podcasts because you only have so much of their attention. In a book, if it's written well, you can have their attention for five, six, seven hours to persuade them. Mm-hmm. So you, you get so much more intimacy, especially if you write it well. So that's why I think a book is it, it's such an incredible thing. And for me, like I said, I was a school teacher. I, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I had no, you know, I did have some attempts earlier on, but as far as being an online entrepreneur, I didn't have any. But the moment I wrote my book, everything shifted. I became mm-hmm. seen as an authority. I became, I got invited to do a TED Talk. I never applied. 
those things happen because of authorship. It, it, I did. If I would have said I'm a podcaster, I don't think they'll say, oh, great, you should come speak on our stage. Mm. So that's the main reason why I say if you haven't considered it, it can be really valuable. And most people spend way too much time doing things that aren't writing. And so it feels like books are hard because they don't know what they're doing. And they, um, you know, they assume that writing a book is um, easy. And it is. In fact, it's just one word after the other. But the problem is they get lost in their thoughts. They don't know how to have a point of view and they don't want to do it very efficiently. So they feel like it's one more task. I convince people that if you have 20 minutes a day, you can write a book without adding too much more stress to your life. But most people see writing as a stressful event. Mm, yeah. And that goes to my next question. How long does it normally take to write a book? And I ask this question because, you know, there are people out there going, well, if I, a podcast is only going to take X amount of time this week, or, or I can write a blog article. And they, again, they start to get distracted with all these other things that might not be actually giving them a return on investment like a potential book could. So in your experience, how long does it normally take? And I know this would be like, how long is a piece of string? But if people were dedicated <laughs> and consistent to it, you know, I've been podcasting now for five plus years. It's consistent. It's just become ingrained in me. You know, I don't like, I've only ever missed one episode. And that was because we were switching from the name of one podcast into going into our new name. And we were advised to like give the transition like a week off. Do you know what I mean? Before we launched the new kind of name of the podcast, but that wasn't because I missed one. That was of advice. So consistency is key. So if people are consistent with writing this book, you know, how long does it normally take them to do? Because it might be quicker than what they're, they're thinking. Yeah. Great, great question. So more than likely what people associate with writing isn't writing. So you have to take the pieces out from writing and we'll talk about them separately. So idea generation takes time. Like you have to be willing to play with the ideas, which isn't writing, but it's a part of the process. The ideation part, coming up with a, a way to do it. Um, understanding your audience, your ideal reader, your core message, those take time. Um, developing the pathway for your reader. So you know, hey, my reader only reads books on planes, so they can't be too long. You have to really think about the logistical steps. Mm. And, and, and also research isn't a part of writing. Those are all things people lump into writing, and so it feels like it takes a long time. But if you break them into small tasks associated with it, then they become reliable, simple to-dos that mm. you can manage. It'll take you a lot of time. So I teach people how to write a book in 30 days, and most people like saying, great. I said, the writing part does only take 30 to 45 days, but it's because we plan, execute everything so that when you go to write, you're doing a sprint. They're mm. not sprinting all day long. They're busy people like you. They have an hour, maybe an hour and a half, if they're lucky in a day for themselves. And that's when they write. But then they do that consistently. And that's what you talked about in your podcast. It was the consistent habit that you built that mm. you just become habit. Most people don't build a habit. They write a little bit. They stop for six months. They write a little bit. They, they write longer then they stop. So they don't have enough of a habit to grow and learn. You have to become willing to learn as you're writing because no one is going to be a great writer from the beginning. Even if you've written a lot in the past, emails and stuff. Yes, you have a little more practice, but your writing voice as an author has to come through and you have to be patient. But most people take way too long and they're editing while they're writing. And that's the biggest hindrance. So I tell people plan from six to nine months because there's all those little pieces. Could you write it shorter? Yes. But if you're writing a book that has an impact, be careful because you have a lot of thinking to do about your audience. But the writing part, 30 to 45 days, Pat Flynn, I said, look, you're going to write this book in 30 to 45 days. Like, most of it was trying to figure out what is this book, to be honest. Mm. In fact, he wrote two books in the time we worked on Will Fly because the first one just didn't work. Yeah. Um, 
and super fancy wrote in 30 days for the method I taught him. So you, you, it's the not the amount of time. It's really about understanding how well do you know what this book is, who it's for, how it's supposed to land, how it's supposed to work. Those take a lot longer than the writing, the physical writing process, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense too. You know, it's, it's, but also how much do you mean, do you think people get in their own way of executing this book because of self-sabotage or this book could actually really make them successful or fear of failure? Like, do you often see people stopping this, this book coming to fruition because of X, Y, and Z? Absolutely. Absolutely. And as Stephen Pressfield says in his book, The War of Art, the resistance for book writing is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might be successful in a lot of other areas, but when it comes to a book, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. One of my clients, Ali Abdal, he wrote the book um, more recently, you know, in the productivity space called Feel Good Productivity. Mm-hmm. Though he was a YouTuber, he was a doctor, you know, graduated top of his class from Cambridge. He had the incredible imposter syndrome about writing because he he wanted to, to be like his heroes, you know. Mm. And so did Pat Flynn and so did everyone I worked with. They're just terrified that they're going to not be good enough. So a lot of what I'm doing is shifting their mind away from that and say, but you're the only one with your perspective. You're mm-hmm. not Malcolm. Well, you're not James Clear. You're not Maya Angelou, but you are you. And most of the time, if they get confident about themselves and their message through the process of getting there, they'll start to shift. But I, I notice people with a lot more trauma, they have a lot harder time because their brain takes them to different places. Yeah. I want to say strength, it takes them to familiar places. And those familiar places are to distract, to hide, to prove, to um, shut down, to turn to their vices. Those things happen. And that's just, it's so easy to do for myself included when we're trying to do something we feel like is so important. We either will sabotage it, as you said, or we will avoid it because we're afraid of success. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a lot of what I do. I spend my time working with people, uh, bringing them back to this present moment so that they're not worried about. The future and i said i don't want you to shoot your pants i want you to stay right here I <laughs> I don't. and i don't want you to future trip those are two things we can't do when we're writing books we have to stay in the here and now mm-hmm. again because if not like you said we then start to get distracted we start to lose the reason why we're doing the like that you know there's multiple things do you know what I mean that start to come in and start to layer now for those people out there that are like you know what writing a book actually I've always wanted to do it or I've wanted to do since I was a little girl or I know this will help grow my business this will help position me compared to my competitors etc etc like where do they get started like what are some of the first like steps that they need to even start to consider to go is this viable is this in me am I going to like is there a framework you, you have is there questions that they should be asking themselves like obviously walk us through what that looks like to really start bringing this this first-time author uh, into the world. Yeah. So what often happens is that I've noticed is that people they start to live inside of their head way before they get it out of their head. So what I often want them to do is stop thinking about all this stuff first. Writer's block comes from having too many ideas, not too few. So uh-huh. if you're experiencing writer's block, just know it's because you have too much going on in between your ears. So the first step is what you need is clarity. We call this. The, the diamond method, they're, they're four C's. Not quite carrots, but they're C's. <laughs> yeah. um, and one of the first one is clarity. Without clarity, you feel like you're just writing and you don't know where it's going. So you need to get clarity. And one of the ways I recommend people to do is empty their head on page. Put what you think your book's about or the book ideas you have out of your mind and onto the page. Because what happens is the imaginary funnel of creativity gets blocked if you don't have clarity. Mm. So imagine you, if the book is the bottle, 
and the words is the liquid. Uh, you should just put a funnel on it and pour the liquid in the words and put it on the page and the bottle should fill up. But so many authors are, or would be authors, people who want to write a book, um, start trying to write and it just trickle comes out and they're like, I can't get it to work. I don't know what's going on. It's because inside of that funnel, what they're not paying attention to, they're paying attention to the words in the bottle is all these invisible blocks. They're like clear marbles. When they look in there, they're just nothing. It just looks like water, but it, it they're blocked. So you have to empty the funnel. And one of the ways to empty your funnel is dump everything that's in your mind about this book onto a page so you can observe it. So you're no longer creating new messages in your brain about this book because every time you talk about this book in your mind a new thought comes and connects it to another thought to a past thought so you want to first get clarity by emptying your head so that's the first thing take all the ideas you have about a book and put them in front of you and look at them because you have to judge them and say which of these that get me the most excited which of these are not the book i think i can sell or makes makes everybody happy what's the book i care about the most which one is the one that's resonating today not the one i should write it's very tempting which one is it for me? So mm. clarity, that's the first thing. Because without clarity, you can't move the second one, which is commit. You have to commit to this plan, right? Okay, I'm picking this book and I'm not going to go backwards and flip-flop. I have to commit to it. Because if you don't commit to it, you won't execute. So commitment mm. requires clarity. Like once you commit to this idea, this is really good. I like this. This is this is represents me. This is where I want to go. I feel like I could stand behind this. Because I've had people come to me who didn't follow some of this and they wrote a book somewhere else and came to me and they said look i'm known as the kickstarter queen and i don't want to be anymore but they keep calling me and contacting me because i wrote a book about how to be the kickstarter queen and you know i was like yeah that's why you want to write a book that really matters it's gonna they're like children you can't put it away once it's out in the world it's out exactly it's so you've got to commit so that's what we have to do you can't commit without clarity and then once you do commit you can start to create the book you start to you can start to feel the the the, the message coming out of you but to create the message you have to have that clarity then commitment creating it requires you to sort of show up for yourself i don't recommend anybody writing a book about what they know now i want to clarify this i want you to write about what you what you know your experiences your knowledge but also where you're headed it should feel a little bit like uncomfortable you're leading into a new space because if you don't transform during the writing process don't expect your reader to you're just giving them information you have to be leaning into a new area at least enough for you to be curious because to create something you have to have a curiosity that draws you there not just regurgitating everything you know let's say you're a um real estate agent and you want to sell everything about real estate that's not enough information is enough we need to know where's your curiosity what's something interesting that you can create that's new that's in this moment mm. because you don't want to lead from the past. You want to lead into the future. And that's uncomfortable because you may not know as much about this thing you're leaning into. Right. Before Ryan Holiday wrote about stoicism, he was a guy to talk about marketing. He had mm -hmm. to lean into something he knew. Right. That's what makes sort of an interesting message. And you're committed to it. And the last thing you want to do after you create the message and get clear is crystallize it. You want to crystallize the message so that your message resonates wherever you go. I often say that people misunderstand books. Books aren't made of words. Books are messages that words contain. Mm. Words words are the thing that hold it together. But when you walk away from some book that you've read that you've impacted you, you talked about what books impacted me. I was able to tell you a few and why. But it wasn't because I could say chapter two, page six, paragraph four. We're not worried about the words. We're trying to tell with you the message that changed us, mm. the, the nugget that shifted us. 
books are more like rudders than sails. They're, they're the small things that shift something so big, but they may not be seen or felt for a while, mm. right? So when you crystallize your message, the message is more important than the book. Because I hate to tell people this, but most people don't finish the books by their nightstand, mm. right? You buy them with great hopes. I know a lot of people talk about Atomic Habits who've never read it or finished it. However, the message is just as potent as the words on the page. So don't don't misunderstand the power of your message is that it might take a whole book for the message to resonate with somebody and they get it. Or they might read chapter two and go, I got it. I'm good. This is amazing. Mm. So you have to crystallize the message and understand your message matters. And yet you have to know why your message does. Why you? Why are you the unique messenger? Jada Selner taught me this. She said, well, there's no new messages, only new messengers. Mm-hmm. So don't try to create a new message. Try to find why you're the one bringing this new message to people. And you'll pull those four C's together and get a winning book idea. Mm. I mean, I like that you've got a framework because sometimes if you're like, oh yeah, you just do this, you do this, do this. It was like, people can already feel them overwhelmed before they even get the book idea out on paper, you know? So the fact that you've really simplified it to clarity, commit, create and crystallize it, it allows people to go, okay, you just, you know, it's kind of like I always say on the podcast, you can't eat an elephant whole. We're chunking it down little bit by little bit and it will all come together collectively. Now, yeah. hypothetically, people are like, yes, I'm in, I'm ready to do a book. Uh, I get yeah. the I get the kind of four C's. My thing is, is where, and I've, I've personally seen this, people do all this and then mm. there's this notion of like execution. Because once you have a book, you still have to market the book. Right. Like it just doesn't it just doesn't sell itself much to what I think people. it's just like a podcast. People don't just start listening. People. It's all those things. So there's two questions that I want to ask is before we kind of get to the marketing is, does it matter if someone's going to write a book, if they use a publisher or self-publish? Is there anything that they need to be mindful of around that? Yeah, great question. You do need to be mindful about it because there's two different. Well, I think it's on a spectrum. Let's it's on a continuum. Like let's let's say the traditional big five publishers, they have been around for a long time and they they're in charge of the lists and all this. Those those people, publishers are looking. They're thinking of books like a product, right? Mm-hmm. They're thinking of a book as how many, how wide of an audience and how many widgets can we sell. Mm-hmm. So that's their perspective. That's they make their money selling widgets. They don't make money selling your message. They don't make money on any course in the back end. They, they don't, that's not their business. They don't make any money from your speaking authority. Uh, they make money from the widget, they call it a book. Yep. So you got to realize that like publishers, they're looking for things that you may not have or you may not want. So they're looking for how big is your audience? How engaged is your email list? What kind of presence you have? What kind of interesting, you know, what kind of interest do you have for the media to, to attract to you? Mm. They're looking for things to make you attractive in so many ways and how broad is your message Mm. not how niche how broad how specific can we get without being too narrow but also sell more books Mm. so topics that are broad based they can regurgitate again and again that's why the publishing industry is what it is is they're always looking for the next best thing but also replicating the last best thing so Mm -hmm. and it takes can take two to four years to get a book out if you start with the publisher so that's to get to market some people entrepreneurs like i need to go faster than that or you might want to want the authority of a big publisher because that helps you. You feel like that's more valuable than giving up some of your royalties, right? Because they they give authors royalties. Sometimes they give in advance. Sometimes they're very lucrative. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they have a lot of big splits for percentages between 
maybe between seven and 12%. And sometimes they uh, won't give you an advance. But if you're publishing on your own, the challenge on the other end of the spectrum is it better be quality, mm. better look great. Pat Flynn's book, Will It Fly? Uh, Superfans, both one, Will It Fly, the one I worked on with him was a Wall Street Journal and USA to bestseller. Um, most people don't know, or at least didn't think of that it's a it's it's a self-published book. Mm-hmm. So a super self-published book. But the quality is so high that people value it. They don't see it differently. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people self-publish and it looks it's not not only is it not poorly thought through, it's not well edited. The cover design doesn't match the genre or the niche niche. They don't have it um positioned right. It it looks poor, right? Mm-hmm. So those things can give you less credibility. So but it doesn't mean you have to do it that way. You just have to know what you're doing. And then right in the middle of that sort of continuum is small publishers, hybrid publishers, independent publishers like myself, who decide on a book idea with um, a client and then they nurture it with them and they have to have some stake in it. Like, what are they going to lose or gain by having published your book? And what are you going to win or gain? Mm. Uh, because if you're not seeing it as a product, you're investing in, in the author, like mm. their authorship. They are what they're building. You believe in that. Um, so I think th- that's a long answer to your question, but I think it depends. It depends on what your purpose is. If you're trying to build a course, don't go to a publisher from your book because they're going to want, they're going to try to get all of your rights. They want to yes. own the publisher rights, but they want to own all the residual rights. They want to own everything. Why mm. wouldn't they? That's make the money. But if you want to sell a course or intellectual property, guess what? You don't get to own that unless you negotiate that. Everything's mm. negotiable, but big publishers are like, I'm not negotiating any of that. Because if it takes off like chicken soup for the soul, they want the you know 20 years worth of royalties from writing the book over and over and over in different ways versus I want to build this as a course. I want to be an authority figure. I want to be able to have an opt-in. I want to be able to do a really big giveaway. I will, you know, you're in control more. So those are the things to think about when you're publishing a book. Yeah, no, I love it. And like I said, it's there could be an entire eight episodes and just publish it. Do you know what I mean? So I know we can't go, but I just think it's about, it's important just for those people thinking out there, do you know what I mean? What they need to consider. And this is one of it. And then obviously marketing. I've seen this people create a book and they get, they put a lot of energy around the launch of the book and then Uh they never, they never talk about the book again. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, you're missing out on such an amazing opportunity. It's like, it's, it can be a lead gen. It's like kind of like your business card. It can be, you know, it's people, like you said, get five, six, seven, eight hours, depending on how quickly or slow they read a book to be able to almost be intimate with you in some ways, right? Like they're getting access to you through these beautiful written pages of the story. And then they do nothing else with it, or there's no funnel attached. Now I'm not saying everything needs a funnel, but most of us aren't writing books just for shits and giggles, right? It's like, we, and it could be that we just want to have bigger impact. It might not even be about the money. It could just be like helping more people because my story is so powerful. But if you don't get it in front of more people, you can't have more impact. So do you agree or disagree that people can fall down on the marketing side once a book has come to light? Yes. I think some people get, like to use your analogy, use my podcast, some people think about book writing in a different way they think about it as you know like making a making a baby is fun raising is different so it's kind of like books once you birth a book into the world it's yours it doesn't go away you can't Mm. take it away hands of people it belongs to the people however some people love launches they're perpetual launchers they love that idea that rush and then they want the next launch 
Well, that's great, but you have to keep doing that for the same book over and over and over and over again. Mm. And people forget you have to celebrate the first year the child is born, book baby, and the next year and everything in between. And the authors that stay consistent do really well, specifically if their book is focused on a particular niche and audience. Mm. I had something on my show who wrote a book named John Miller. I have a couple other examples as well, but he wrote a book that I read when I was a principal of schools years ago, 20 years ago. His book is still selling. He sold a million copies of that self-published book. And eventually a traditional publisher picked it up. But he goes, I only sell this book. He goes, this is all my business comes from this book. So I sell it every to where I go. And I might sell three, I might sell 10, I might sell 200 from the stage, but this is what builds my business. So he uses it again and again. Um, and that's what you have to do. You have to be committed to this book long-term. And if you're not, then please don't write it because you don't get to just push your child aside. You get you have to own this message again and again. Um, and if you don't believe in it, it gets really difficult. So that's why if you don't commit to those four C's, you won't want to talk about it again and again. Mm -hmm. um, do all sorts of things to remarket it. But most people, meaning authors, they get tired of their message before their audience. 100%. So they think shared it 10 times. And I call it, I'm probably tired of hearing me. And they only saw it once. <laughs> And so authors give up on their message, but it's because they keep saying, buy my book. I'm like, stop doing that. Start start telling people about your book journey. Where yeah. the idea come from? Well, how long did it take? Just be an author to them. They're, they need you to be their guide in the content, but also as the, the true person. Uh, share about it in multiple ways. That's why we wrote this calendar to give people more ideas to, to market their books because around three months in, authors are exhausted about marketing. And I say, it's just starting. Yeah, exactly. So you have to be committed long term. And I, I think you're right. They miss out on the opportunity of the assets of the book. They start thinking, well, that's enough, you know, and and those are the books that don't move the needle. And you have to keep asking for reviews. You can't ever stop asking. There is no time you should ever stop asking for a review. Same mm -hmm. with the podcast, right? Um, yep. But people tire too early. And that's yes. probably the biggest problem with this this whole book marketing Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, again, it's it's just like, but it's like the podcast. You've got to keep constantly. Don't forget to head to my podcast. Don't forget to read my blog. Don't forget to go to the YouTube channel. Like it doesn't stop, right? And I do right. feel like again, there's that notion like new level, new devil. You know, is just when you work on those internal demons to get the book out there. Do you know what I mean? There will also be yeah. those demons will start to show. It's like, well. Well, if I market it, more people are actually going to read it. And if more people read it, they might, do you know what I mean, criticize me. And, and therefore, now I'll stop marketing. So it's like you've got them to like kind of that first phase. And now you've got to work with them again to know you've got to keep talking. you got to keep talking, you know. And so it is, again, and this yeah. is where I just go back to the importance of working and constantly working on the inner work is just as important as doing anything else in business. So, 100%. Yes. Now, for those people who are like, I need a little bit of a zool in my life. I'm ready to start exploring how I can be a first time author. I'm ready to unleash my inner author. How can the amazing listeners out there to they connect with you? Where can they find you? What are you up to? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, you can find me at authorswholead.com. And my podcast is also the Authors Who Lead. Uh, on that site, you have the podcast, you have some blog posts, but also you can give our calendar and I'll give you the link as well to get 365 uh, days of social post ideas and viral video hooks, as well as call to actions when you post, because you can run out of those. Keep saying, buy the book, it's going <laughs> to burn out your audience. <laughs> but having to think of that while marketing is difficult, considering mm -hmm. holidays, events, special times of year, 
what's the media looking for those things are you should be paying attention to so there you can get that calendar for free and then subscribe to the newsletter and i give lots of tips and tricks uh to the insights of people i've helped write new york times sunday times best-selling books and what they've taught me about what worked for them and what didn't so please authors you leave is where you can find me and follow me on social as a friend you know as it will throw us i love connecting with all the people that i get to know no, fantastic. And we'll make sure that we include all those links in the show notes over at AngelaHenderson.com.au. But I've got one final question for you, my friend, which is looking back on your business journey. I'd love to know, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? I wish I would have known that who I am was enough. Mm-hmm. I think I wish I would have known that my secret sauce is being me because mm-hmm. I spent too many years trying to be somebody else or imitating other people. And there's nothing wrong with imitation. It's a bit of flattery but I wish I would have stayed true to my uniqueness earlier on. Mm. Oh, I love that, my friend. Now, if this hasn't been a hot episode, I don't know what will be. So this has been absolutely brilliant. I don't know why it's taken me five years to get a, well, I didn't know you for five years. Do you know what I mean? Well, a little bit longer, but you were, you were kind of just kind of going into this space, but this is important. And I do think it's another outlet for people to be looking at a return on investment. And as I often say, when I work with my clients, it's kind of like when you work with me, it's an all you can eat buffet. We need to pick and choose what you like and what you're in alignment with in order to grow. And again, one of the things I'll always say is I haven't often spoken about the book because it hasn't been directly relatable to me, but I'm negligent, I will say, by not making sure that we speak more about a book as an option for those individuals who, do you know what I mean, want to explore something different uh, that is more in alignment. They want to make a bigger impact and they want to get their story out there. So uh, it is with much gratitude that you're here today sharing this wisdom. So thank you so much, my friend. I hope you have a beautiful back day in good old America. Drink some ranch dressing for me because I absolutely love ranch dressing and hot wings. I also love Wings Tuesday, so have some wings for me. Uh, But yes, have a beautiful night and thank you so much for your wisdom today. Thank you so much, Angela, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, www.angelahenderson.com.au.